This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Anyway, so we came back from the break. Silver and Black today, Murph Scott. Mo's going to jump in here too. Uh, want to tell you that I want to thank Daniel again because he didn't hear me. Uh, Daniel donated uh, $50. Um, oh, yes, nice. $50 from Daniel. Uh, man, just who's going to uh, get a free t shirt from our good friends at DC4L Custom Tees, who is donating shirts to this. So I just want to make sure you know, Daniel, your, your $50 is going right to. The One Nation Foundation. Murph, let's talk about that. Tell everybody about One Nation Foundation real quick so Daniel knows. And if anybody else wants to jump into the Super Chat, we will also do that and uh, let you know. So, Murph, tell them about the foundation. Yeah, so thank you, Daniel Mangus. He's a he's a great listener of our show, and uh, him and his brother Matthew are there's some there's some OG Raider fan radio uh, Raiders fan radio guys, and uh, I love those guys to death, and I appreciate everything that that you have done to support the Raiders fan radio, and most importantly, the One Nation Foundation. Uh, so, real quick, the One Nation Foundation supports Raiders related charities. We give 100% of the money that we raise with our show, whether it's through direct donations like this or merchandise sales, advertising, like the good folks at Manscaped. Shout out Manscaped. Uh, so, any of the, anything that we get, shout out Will Compton, shout out the boy. Uh, any money that we get, uh, we donate it to uh, Raiders related charities, uh, mainly uh, this year, the Bolitnikoff Foundation but also other folks like the Ra- like Raider Dad, who takes underprivileged kids to Raider games. Uh, but uh, the Blitnikoffs, as I mentioned, uh, we give to them, and we're going to present them a check for $15,000 on behalf of, of, uh, of all the listeners of Silver and Black Today and, and Raiders Fan Radio. And we're going to meet up with the Blitnikoffs next month. It's uh, November 3rd, and uh, present that check at their annual Crab Fest. And uh, there'll be a bunch of Raider legends in attendance. And, uh, you know, from Super Bowl MVPs to, you know, the owner, Mark Davis, to everybody will be there. And, uh, and and we always make sure that we acknowledge the idea that this comes from the listening audience. So we can't thank you enough. This uh, We are just the vessels. We just turn on the microphones. You guys are the ones that make it happen. And we can't thank you enough uh, for your support of the One Nation Foundation. Oh, I appreciate it, man. And, and listen, you guys do great work. And uh, make sure you go check out, again, Murph, Michelle, and Jeff will be live right after this over on Raiders Fan Radio. It is now past midnight in the Eastern Time Zone, which means uh, the party's about to begin in Midtown with Midtown Mo. So he jumps in with us now. Of course, he just got off his Bleacher Report live, where I'm sure he heard nothing about the coaching. It was all about the defense or the quarterback. You didn't hear anything about that. But, Mo, we, we've gone through a little bit of that. We started, of course, it's a win. A win is a win. It might have been 
an absolutely terrible football game to watch from a football perspective, to be honest with you, in my view. But at least a, a win is a win. So the Raiders get off the snide a little bit there. Uh, but we're going to shift gears. And I want to get your sense too, Mo, on this one. And Murph, you jump in when he's done, which is the offensive line. I mean, the regression. And Mo, I think it was you during the game who said something about uh, the fact that that uh, even Colton Miller has gone backwards. Uh, tell me your impressions of this and what you saw and how this is going to continue to be an issue until something something fixes it. First of all, I want to say, Murph, correct me if I'm wrong in this one, there is no Raider win that is too ugly to celebrate. A win <laughs> is a win. I don't care if the Raiders yes. win 3-0, 6-0, 7-3. They run the football game. They haven't won a home game since last year, week 15 against the Patriots. <laughs> they have lost three straight. You enjoy these wins as they come because you don't know how many you're going to get. Now, Scott, to your question. The offensive line worries me. The offense, A combination of the offensive line and Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, pocket feel or pocket presence, whatever you want to call it, that Michael. combination worries me because, as I, as I said during the game, he's had at least one interception in every one of his starts now, and the offensive line is not getting any better protecting him or opening up holes for Josh Jacobs. What I will say is the Raiders did make a tweak. Uh, Thayer Mumford did uh, play most of the snaps at right tackle over Jermaine Luminar, who has struggled, so maybe there's some hope there at right tackle. But it's clear to me that whatever scheme they're running, whether whatever, whatever the Raiders are doing with their offensive line, it ain't working. Now, I don't know if they have to go out and sign another guard because Greg Van Roten, who started off the season okay, is just completely – he seems unplayable. I don't know if, yeah. if Alex Barr's spirit has inhibited his body, but he, is, <laughs> he, seems, un, he seems unplayable right now. The Raiders, if they're going to go out and get an offensive lineman from the outside, they have to address the guard position because Dylan Parham also gave up a sack early. So, I, you know, you hope that Colt Miller could turn it around because you're obviously not going to bench him. But the guard position, that needs to change. And I think if the Raiders improve their guard play, you'll see improvement in the run game. Yeah. Murph, I, I know I, you, I you talked a lot about this on your last show, Murph. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and, and I think that it's important for us to acknowledge what's going on with, with Carmen Brasillo there. Like, where in the world is Carmen Brasillo? <laughs> like, like, we, like, that guy, we, we sung his praises, uh, especially going into uh, to last year uh, towards the end when the, when the Raiders' offensive line was, was playing pretty darn good. So, uh, you know, at least, you know, in considered to, to the, our expectations and to where they were and, and kind of outplaying their talent a little bit. And so when you see regression, like, that's always, like, it always comes back to coaching, man. I, I, you know, and... I hate to just sit here and just call out coaches all show long, but like, at, but they're the ones responsible for it. And, and when it goes backwards, when you have the same group essentially, and they get worse, like what happened? Like what, what changed there? And so exactly. again, is that does it come down to culture and environment and all those kinds of things? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, but I, what I, I do want to also acknowledge to what you said, Mo, um, there is no such thing as a bad Raider win, man. They all good. And listen, this might be our last win at home. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like this season is not going well. And I know we got the Patriots and the freaking Bears on deck, but then, oh, yeah, guess what? We got to play the freaking Lions. Wouldn't that be something where the Raiders at three and three? And, you know, and I thought that we were going to get past the Steelers and the Chargers. I really did. And that would have been a nice, real run of success uh, for the Raiders going in to play a team like the Lions, who's proven to be one of the best teams in the NFC this year. They're just playing out of their minds. Speaking of good leadership, Dan Campbell, right? Like, I mean, look, these things are not hard. Look at the teams that, that are the best in the NFL right now. And I'm, I'll say this quick and I'll shut up because I want to hear from Mo because he's way more cool than I am. But, like, when you hear, like, <laughs> look at guys in the NFL, they're great. Bob Sala, 
amazing coach, amazing leader of men. Oh, yeah, guess what? Best team in football. Uh, Dan Campbell, right? Amazing football team. Mike McDaniel. I was talking about Mike McDaniel today. I was talking to Valerie, uh, and, and, and we were talking about leadership and leadership when it comes to coaches. And I'm like, he's the biggest goobery football nerd there is. But when it comes to coaching a football game, yeah. he's cold, man. Oh, he's yeah. a badass. Like, he ain't afraid of anything, and his players have his back. And when you look at guys like that, like, you don't have to be a rah-rah guy. You don't have to be John Madden. You can be Tom Flores, too. You know what I mean? Like, there's two different ways to be an effective leader of men. And so, um, anyway, so when you look around the league, man, the best of the, the best coaches it. out there yes. are just really super effective. And so, anyway. And Murph, no, you br- you bring that up because I, I just wrote a story about the Dolphins and and how he's combined two really well known offenses and everybody's like that'll never work and he's like yeah screw it it's gonna work because I'm gonna make it work so I g- I get it there by the way I got to do a shout out Justin Churchill for a five dollar donation to One Nation Foundation and Big Shane Raider Nation for life a hundred dollar donation to uh, the One Nation Foundation he says when we support the One Nation Foundation we all win I will say our offensive line has no shadows because they can't block sunlight. Woo. That's a good one. I never heard that one. That's a good one. That's a very That's a good, good one. one. Thank you. Thanks for the donation, man. Um, yeah, you, and, and it's you. it. It's just going to continue. Last thing I want to talk. Well, not the last thing, but I want to talk about too, Mo, and get your impression because I kind of changed my mind on this one really quick. The field goal towards the end of the game felt like a lot. The field goal at home when they lost last time against Pittsburgh, right? It felt like that. But then I started to think about what we were just talking about, the offensive line (laughs) and what's going on with the offensive line. And I don't care what Josh McDaniels said during the press conference because I can't watch it till we're done here. He does not have confidence in that offensive line. Neither does his quarterback because nobody seems to understand or have any kind of rhythm or flow into anything. So in that case, even though it basically allowed the Packers to possibly tie the game on the next possession, uh, I think in that case, it was the right thing to do. I know he's getting criticized. Even Troy Aikman's like, oh, I don't know about that. But as bad as that offensive line is, has been, couldn't you argue that, Mo? Scott, I'm not, I'm not letting Josh McDaniels off the hook with that decision. I no. just talked about this on my Bleach Report. I am not, I'm not no, letting him Scott, off the hook. I'm just saying Scott, he created the issue. Scott, even if Daniel Carlson makes the field goal, it's a seven-point game. Mike yeah. Matt. Matt LaFleur has gone for two-point conversions before the season. I remember uh, announcer talking about how aggressive he's been. I would have been surprised if had the Packers scored a touchdown, they went for two and won the football game or tried to win the football game. To me, it's fourth and one, and I'm not an analytics nerd. I am not one of those analytics nerds. I just going to put that out there right now. But it's fourth and one. You brought back Josh Jacobs on a modified franchise tag deal, one-year, $11.8 million base. You brought him back to kick a 52-yard field goal with Daniel Carlson to go up seven, which is still a one-possession game. I no, no, it's fourth and one. The offensive, the run, the run game had actually saw some daylight in the second half. It was sluggish in the first half, mm-hmm. but remember, Josh Jacobs had that big 24-yard run, and at a point in time, he had been rolling on the ground. Now Jimmy G still doesn't trust his offensive line, in my opinion, because he's a little happy in the pocket. But Josh Jacobs had been moving the ball a bit, you know, give or take. If you can't hand off to your top running back who just won the rushing title, who you just paid to come back for one yard to close the football game, that's a problem. How many times do I have to say the Raiders are the fifth most in cap dollars spent in the offense and you can't trust that offense to get you one yard to close a football game? To me, that's a problem. That's why I say something has to change with the offensive line, specifically the guard position. If Jimmy G is going to continue to turn the ball over, 
here I'll say it, you go to Aiden O'Connell. Because there's oh. no way you can have your quarterback stand in the pocket and continually give the other team chances to get back in the football game and win games. This yeah. is not the Jimmy G that was advertised during the offseason. We always yes. talk about Jimmy G as, oh, he's a winner. He's going to protect the football. He's efficient. We're not seeing that right now. And if we don't see that pretty soon, especially against some of these bad teams coming up, you got to let the rookie play. And I know Aiden O'Connell had his turnover issues too, but I'm just saying with Jimmy G, you expected, you expected a lot more from a veteran who's been in the league for about a decade or more who was supposedly a winner in San Francisco. This isn't the Jimmy G that was in San Francisco, and I didn't expect it to be. I don't know why a lot of people expected him to be the same. But, again, seven interceptions and, what, four starts? That has to change or he has to go to the bench. Hey, uh, uh, Murph, I got I to gotta cool off uh, my buddy Mo here. Gotta cool him I, off. I, I, I'm not. I'm not into hearing any excuse for Josh McDaniels' decision making. I, I criticized him for not taking a timeout before halftime because that forced oh, the offense to have to rush. About that. Yes, you know. Absolutely. I know the field goal was blocked. That's not Daniel Carlson. The field goal was blocked. It was tipped. But he should have gave his offense more time. More and a time. lot of a lot of people will push back and say, "Well, he didn't want to give the Packers back the ball for them to score. So what? If the Packers score, it's ten ten. You're going to halftime tied." You know what I mean? And it's like the Packers had been moving up. The, they, the Packers no. weren't the greatest show on turf tonight. No. They were struggling and, and, all night. And not only that, not only that, Mo, but in, in the second segment, uh, we were talking about, and, and I brought up the, the fact that, again, there were about 10 examples of horrible game and clock management in this game. You mentioned the big one before half, but they had a penalty for delay a game twice, right? I think. Twice, yep, I know for once for sure. Twice, getting the play in late, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and and that's what Murph brought up, right? Murph was your point about this. This team seems slow. Like everything is in slow motion when they get to the line, when they get the plays in, when they're switching off. They got the delay a game because they didn't get the eleventh man on the field in time. This is coaching, and I, I said it earlier that this this is not a well coached team on both sides of the ball. I'll say this really quick, Murph. The defense is getting better. I know they gave up a big play to Christian Watson where Amik Robinson and Marcus Epps both went into the backfield and Marcus Peters had to kind of save a touchdown with that horse collar penalty. But for the most part, the defense, you can see the improvement in the defense. Mm-hmm. As I said, for the last six quarters, they've, the defense has been playing well. You shut up the charges in the second half of that game and you force Jordan Love to throw two interceptions, you know, and the Raiders get three turnovers in total. To me, that's a win for the defense. I'm more worried about the offense. As I said, it has to start with the offensive line because, in my opinion, the engine of your football team starts up front in the trenches with your offensive line. If your offensive line is playing well, you get a more comfortable quarterback in the pocket and you get a more effective run game. I, I agree, Mo, and, and it's int- and I want to really capitalize on your point about the short yardage. Is that like you know we have a very high priced running back in our backfield who's arguably one of the best in the league. Who's obviously everybody knows he's a rushing leader last year. Why can't you trust him to get that yard? And when why are we like I'll forever be confused by offensive play calling when you have a short yard to gain and you run a toss play or you run a jet sweep or you run anything that's away from the line of scrimmage. Like you have this guy that uh, I don't know what his truck rating is in Madden anymore. Cause I don't play it. But like, <laughs> he's like That's what he's known for is barreling through people or battling through that first contact and falling forward to gain yards. Like if you can't trust Josh Jacobs to gain a yard, then like, what are we doing? Like, I, I, I'm so confused by that. And, and when it came down to that, to that last scoring play, I'm like, I'm like freaking hollering, like, 
put in Jakob Johnson, and let's just freaking pound the freaking football in there, run it in between the freaking guards, and let's go. And what do they do? And Josh Jacobs freaking fires it right in there. Like, I don't understand why that's not a trusted portion. Like, that's what we should be doing well, and that's one of the things that's so confusing about it. It's like when you look at the, the, the amount of investment is one thing monetarily, but the investment in talent, like why is the, the talent that we have at those sp- specific positions in those scenarios, why aren't we running a fade to Devonte Adams in the end zone or using Michael Mayer or something like that? Like, why aren't we doing We don't see anything like that. Everything. I don't know what it's just, it's very confusing. And I'm with you on that, on that mo. And the last thing I'll say too, is that like the, the Carlson family, Shout out the Carlson family. They're, you're a very pretty, beautiful family, and I'm glad to see your togetherness. Stay out of Allegiant Stadium, though. Don't come back. <laughs> Y'all watch that stuff at home. Keep like, let's, let's keep the Carlson family at the crib and just watch it on the dang TV. It's in HD. You can see it great. You can see Daniel kick them from there because when they're in the building, uh, you know, results yeah, are mixed. the Swedes are a little too crazy, right? They, they get together in <laughs> Vegas and, and then all of a sudden it's all over. It's like the Swedish chef, man. I'm going to keep them. No, sorry. My grandmother was Swedish. I, I get well, it. Uh, oh, my but, God. I'm just glad you didn't make me do a beaker impersonation on the hill for that. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, listen, and Mo, I know we're going to talk about it on the show this week because I came out strong in, in segment two, and I'm calling it, Mo. The Garoppolo situation is a, is a disaster, and I don't think it's going to get better. I really don't. He might have better games, but overall, I don't see... He's not grasping the offense. He's not finding his weapons outside of the scripted plays. You saw Michael Mayer citing two huge plays in the first half, and then he misses him with a duck throw in the second half. So I just don't – I don't know what's going on with the guy, uh, but uh, it's not going to work. I think it's a bust. And as I told you back in July, they are putting all their chips on that number, on number 10, and to me, it, it's it's already hit snake eyes. I don't, I don't think – I don't think it's going to get – a lot better. Here's the thing. What did I call Jimmy G in the offseason? I called him Midi G, right? And people Midi. thought, oh, you're being yeah. insensitive. Why are you calling him Midi G? Well, <laughs> he's a pretty mid-quarterback. Yeah. Away from the San Francisco 49ers, he's a mid-quarterback. Let's just be honest about that. And I told people, you're not going to get the same Jimmy G that you stole with the 49ers. You're just not. Just like if you take Brock Purdy away from the 49ers right now and you drop him on the Bears, you think Brock Purdy's going to look as good as he does in San Francisco right now? No. No. Kyle Shanahan, even though he talk about the 28-3 and talk about him losing in the Super Bowl as a head coach of the 49ers, he knows how to elevate most quarterbacks. Didn't work out for Trey Lance, but for most quarterbacks who have some experience, he knows how to elevate those guys. And it's a step down from Kyle Shanahan to Josh McDaniels. And, that, and that's that that's going to be my problem with the Raiders. While I like their chances to win, you know, at least three of the next five, they have as we mentioned, the Patriots, the Bears, the Lions, and then the two New York football teams. I like their chances to win three, at least three of those games. What's going to hurt them is if Josh McDaniels keeps making these conservative calls and it's going to cost the Raiders one of these games that they should have won and you're going to have me, you, and Murph up here screaming our heads (laughs) off because Josh McDaniels cost them a game with one of his conservative calls. Instead of trusting his high-paid offense, he wants to kick field goals and punt the ball. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll see how that um, by the way, Raider Worm, our good friend on YouTube, five dollar donation to the foundation. So just want to say thank out to him. And he says, "Fire up the Irish cannon." So yes, yes. So there you go. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I 
it's just not, it's, it's again, it's, it's, it's blown. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. I, and, and Murph was saying, talking earlier about changing the mind about the coach and all that stuff. Look, we, we had, we had our doubts going in with Garoppolo. And again, the Raiders win 17, 13. Okay. It's a win. It's good, <laughs> but you can't ignore to your point, Mo, you can't ignore how bad the offense has regressed and, and there's no excuse. <sighs> The, these guys have run the offense for two years. Jimmy Garoppolo's new to it, but he's not taking advantage of all these things that he has. He doesn't have the defense he had in San Francisco, but he's got a pretty good offense. But the offensive line has regressed. Devontae Adams, they can't find him for a whole half. Michael Mayer, they can't find him except for two plays. Again, he finds Jacoby Myers. I don't know if those guys got a like a, a money thing going on there, what's going on, <laughs> but that's all he finds. Hunter Renfro, what, one target tonight? That's it. Again, Two targets, one catch. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. So, so to me, uh, there's so many layers here and I know we're going to get going too, cause we got to get Murph off to his show, uh, before Michelle and Jeff pass out. Cause they're, they're still drinking, right? Is that what, right? Apologies to them. Right, guys? We're, we're, we're holding the head blowhard over there. <laughs> we'll be here away from there. <laughs> yeah. He's got to go. He's got to save some of it for his own show. My God. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, you know listen. So well, Mo. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, listen, Murph. Thanks for being with us, my man. We really, really appreciate it. And again, go watch his show. It's coming on right after ours. And go subscribe to the Raiders Fan Radio uh, channel on YouTube. And also, you can get their podcast too if you want to listen to the audio on your way to work tomorrow. All red-eyed and excited that your Raiders won. At least a couple of you are excited at least, uh, which is good. And then Mo and I will be back uh, tomorrow or excuse me on Wednesday with our mailbag show. We're now doing voicemail and we got voicemail. I finally listened to Murph because he's been doing voicemail for a long time and it works out well. So we'll do that as well. So Mo and I will be back on Wednesday for that. And then we'll have a full show on Thursday, but we'll get into some of these issues on Wednesday as well. Murph, my man, my best to Michelle and Jeff. Have a great show, and we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all very much. And, uh, hey, we got a three-game winning streak on the horizon here. Fellas, let's go. There you go. Yes. I said it. I said before you got to go to Motor City. Absolutely. All right. Have a good night, guys. All right. Have a good one, Murph. All right. There see you go. Mo. All right, Mo. I know, uh, I know you, you've been busy. You had two lives today, so this is your third show of the day. I mean – you going to do something today or are you just going to sit around and do nothing all day? <laughs> I'm just going to sit around and, you know, eat ice cream all day. You're not, not going to be very busy. Just kind of lounge around and enjoy the wind now that I had nothing going on today at all, you know? Yeah, of course. Uh, but I am waiting with bated breath to, to, to watch the replay of the press conference we just missed. Because I, to your point, and you said it over and over, I think you tweeted it out during the game, which was, I want to see if he takes responsibility for some of those calls. Um, my guess would be no, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, he, he'll explain it, but we probably won't agree with it, his explanation. <laughs> That's probably true. Nor will all the folks watching on YouTube and listening to the podcast on Tuesday morning. But yeah, so so again, look, I, I, I we started off, we did our whole first segment, Mo, on, on the positives here, right? on the play of the defense. And I absolutely agree with your statement. The defense has gotten better, especially these last two games. And you saw them play. And I, I said, Max Crosby early part of the game, they were kind of getting gashed. And then Max Crosby makes a couple big plays and suddenly everybody's mood and everybody's energy changed. And you saw them ball out. And of course, Robert Spillane with the two interceptions, one was a great one. The other one was off a tip, but you still got to catch the ball. 
you can't take anything for granted. So that was the sign. And and not having your two top uh, cornerbacks, young cornerbacks, and still being able to get the job done, uh, Marcus Peters aside. But Marcus Peters redeemed himself at the end. Uh, and and so you got to appreciate that as well. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna uh, now say good night so that Mo and I can. I gotta go finish a story. I don't know about you, but I gotta go finish some work and then go to bed. But we will be back on Wednesday for the mailbag show. And Mo, are you ready for this whole voicemail thing now? I think I'm ready. I mean, I, I don't know what we're gonna get in the voicemail. No creepy voices. <laughs> I don't want anyone sounding like my fifth grade teacher or anything like that. Oh. Yes, we can. You know, we can do like, that. hello, Mo. <laughs> so please, please. Okay. So, so please, um, no creepy, nightmarish voices on the voicemail, please. That's my only request. <laughs> I'm just excited because, yeah, we don't know. Like, we we get mail from people, and, and some of the voicemails are from people that we usually hear from, and I've never heard their voice before. So it'll be it'll be interesting to do that. Uh, but we certainly appreciate it. Uh, and and I know when is your you have a, a another Bleacher Report live on Wednesday, or is that not till Friday? I have a Bleacher Report live on Tuesday, actually. Oh, Tuesday. So, so later. So, if you're listening to this in the morning, later today. Uh, if you're later with today, us live tomorrow. I'll talk about Coast. trade targets for the Raiders, uh, pass uh, rushers that they should target in uh, in trade deals, uh, because I don't think the Raiders are at the point yet where they're just selling off assets. Now, if they had lost tonight, they'd be major sellers. But with yeah. the win tonight, it kind of restores some competitiveness that they can possibly make a run as me Murph and I talked about. Yeah. So I'll have that on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, I'll turn it ahead and look at the next game, which is against the Patriots, who Bill Belichick said is they're starting over on offense, whatever that means. We'll dig into that. And then I have a piece coming up on Sports Not, also about trade targets that the Raiders should go after other than defensive end or pass rusher. Nice. There you go. Keeping busy, keeping out of trouble. I love it. Good deal. All right, man. Well, thanks for jumping in with us here. Um, as people are telling you, asking if you were eating mint chip ice cream when you were eating ice cream. Uh, not my, not me. I'm, I'm just saying that's what Raider Worm was asking you. I got one more point. Yes. Who came on this show and said the Raiders would win this game? By the way, let's not forget that you did. I didn't pick one. I, I just I, you, said I you, couldn't pick them. You said you could pick. I stood up here and I took all the bullets from the people and said, "Mall, you're delusional. Oh, yes. the Raiders stink. The, we're the get right game. The Packers are going to put up." 30 on us because we don't have Nate Hobbs and Josh Jacobs stinks and everyone stinks and the Raiders aren't going to win any more games and they're going one in 16. <laughs> I stood up here and I said, look, emotions aside, <laughs> I'm looking at the film. I'm looking at the Packers. I'm heat. looking at Jordan Love. I got, yeah. I did for picking a win. I got heat. I know. And I said crazy. it in my pre show. I said the Raiders win the game. I'm, oh, Mo, you're, you're high. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Raiders get the W. By the way, I was the only person on the Bleacher Report staff expert team panel that picked the Raiders to win. I picked them straight up and against the spread. Oh yeah. Sport, on the sports, not panel. I did not. How dare you, Scott? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> I, th I think, but I've done so horribly this year. So any, any picks you see from me, you should probably go opposite. Now they're not against the spread. What you're, 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 Oh, gotcha. Four and one picking Raider games. To this nice. Four and one. The only game straight I screwed up, up on was, was, Straight up and against the spread. Oh, and the spread. Okay. Got it. So there you go. Nice. All right, my man. I will talk to you uh, on Wednesday when we do the mailbag. And we'll cover on some of the what happens in between now and then. Because I'm, I'm stewing about the, the Garoppolo thing. Because I just, I just don't think, I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to get much better. He might improve at certain times. But I just don't think it's, it's going to move this team. 
Uh, so those of you who want Caleb Williams, I think the Raiders are going to finish in purgatory again, Mo. I think, remember we've we said saying, seven wins? We've been saying that. I said six, but. You said six. I said seven. So if they're in that leg, they're going to pick what? Ninth, tenth, something like that. He, and you're one thing gonna, I want to say. One, move up. One, not to cut you off, Scott, but one thing I'll no, say sir. about the whole quarterback situation, right? A, a lot of rare fans want Cleveland's. I understand why. It looks like he's going to be, you know, a great talent when he gets to the NFL. I, I get that. But Patrick Mahomes wasn't the first overall pick in his draft. Josh Allen wasn't the number one overall pick. Jalen Hurts wasn't the number one overall pick. Lamar Jackson wasn't the number one overall pick. And those guys changed the trajectory of their franchises. You could still get a quarterback that changes your future and not have the number one overall pick. It doesn't have to be the first pick. No, and there's, I I believe, I mean, everybody talks about Williams and Drake May, of course, but there's four quarterbacks in this draft to me that that are gone. Now, Williams, I think, is the closest. There's no such thing as a sure thing. But he's as close, I think, as people think there is one. But that doesn't always work out either. So you just never know. I mean, the kid is talented and and fun to watch, but we'll see. But there's a lot of football between now and then. So we'll see what the Raiders are able to do. All right, Mo, I will talk to you on Wednesday, my man. Talk to you Wednesday. Mastradamus has earned that name today, picking the Raiders (laughs) to win. You have. You have. You've got it. So you got to watch Mo. On Bleacher Report, he'll tell you who's going to win. All right, listen, for Murph, for our producer, Mike Robier, for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Cobranson. This has been the post-game edition of Silver and Black Today. Raiders 17-13 winners over the Green Bay Packers. We'll be back with you Wednesday, Raider Nation mailbag, and a regular show on Thursday. Until then, have a great night, Raider Nation, and we'll talk to you soon.